Let's open our Bibles to the book of Acts. And what we're going to be doing for the next several weeks is studying the book of Acts to see what the church is supposed to look like. So I guess the title for this would be Acts, a Portrait of the Church. Um, You know, if you want to know what this country is supposed to look like, remember we told you several weeks ago you'd need to go back to the founders to find out what their intent was. And you can see that what this country has become is not at all like what the founders intended. And as we study through the book of Acts, I think you will you will see that so much of what you see in the church, at least in the United States, is far removed from what the original church was in the book of Acts. And I've just been directed by the Holy Spirit to take until from this Sunday until the end of June and uh, study the book of Acts with you. Uh, when you start doing this, the Holy Ghost starts moving. Um, now, on June the 26th, the Holy Ghost is sending us um, one of his choice servants, Len Mink, is coming at the direction of the Spirit of God. He could preach anywhere in the nation that he'd want to pretty well preach. But the Holy Ghost has sent him to come here on June 26th. He's got something for us. The Holy Spirit does. And so... What I'm supposed to do between now and then is get the atmosphere ready for him to come and minister. Did you know that a lot of times the Holy Spirit is not able to move in a place because the atmosphere isn't right for him to move? Did you get what I just said? Did you ever notice Jesus sometimes had to pull people aside from the crowd to minister to them? I'm convinced it was because the atmosphere in that crowd of doubt and unbelief. He had to get people sometimes away from from an atmosphere in order to help them. And so we want to get this atmosphere charged and ready to go for Len Mink to come. Because he's got something for us from the Holy Spirit. And so what we're going to do, and you can start reading the book of Acts over the next several weeks, just start in chapter 1 and just try to read a chapter a day or whatever, a couple of chapters a day, but we're going to be going over the book of Acts for the next several weeks, and we're going to be looking at what God intended for the church to be. You know, if you want to know what the church is supposed to look like, don't look at the church across town, or don't look at the church in the other state, or don't look at this church or that church. Look at the book of Acts to find out what God intended the church to be. Now, if you would go to Acts, the fifth chapter, because I'm going to open this today uh, with this passage, and then we'll go back to Acts, the first chapter. We need to be a church that flows with the Holy Spirit. Did you ever hear me tell all those testimonies of the healings and miracles that have taken place in this church over the last many years? 
You know how all that happened is by flowing with the Holy Spirit. And so um, it's not a very popular subject anymore in this in this nation, but we need to be a church that flows with the Holy Ghost. Okay. Notice here in Acts, the fifth chapter, the 13th verse, this is a, a verse that that uh, that that the spirit of God has called my attention to. Verse 13, yet none of the rest dared join them. This is talking about the early church. Yet none of the rest dared join them. The King James says, durst join them. Dared join them. But the people esteemed them highly. This is talking about the apostles, the early church. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. So this group of apostles, the group of people that started the first church, were respected by the people in the community. But it's interesting that from this verse 13, it said that people dared not join them. But yet it's interesting if you look at verse 14, it said, and believers. Notice believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes, both men and women. So in verse 14, you see multitudes joining. But verse 13, it said the rest dared not join. And, and, you know, I'm scratching my head thinking about that, meditating on it. And what, what, what I've come to conclude is that early church was something that you didn't hook yourself up to, certainly unless you were a believer. A serious believer. Not a casual attender. But a serious believer. It was, it was a group of people that was respected. And there was a fear. A reverential fear, but even more than that. The church is a holy thing, dear friends. You've got to understand, if you read this in context, two people had just fallen dead in a church service because they lied to the Holy Ghost. Did you hear me? Ananias and Sapphira, if you read up above there, they had just dropped dead in a church service. The church service, as far as I can tell, that was going on here had had gone about three hours in length. These days, you can't get people to sit more than about 30 minutes. And they're done. Three hours in length. Think about that. Ananias came in. Hypocritical. Lied to the Holy Spirit. See, there was so much power in this church. He comes in, hypocritical. He lies, drops dead. About three hours later, his wife comes in 
And she lies and drops dead. Can you see why people had second thoughts about joining up with this group? You know, the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament represented the presence of God. Is that right? Do you ever notice Uzzah? They put that. Now, the Philistines, they, they didn't know any better. You know, God will put up with a lot of things when people don't know any better. And the Philistines handled that Ark in the Old Testament. Just they put it on the cart. They ran it around and whatnot. And they, they, none of them dropped dead. But when Uzzah, who was, was, was trained in how to handle that ark, when he reached out to touch it, does anybody remember what happened to him? He fell dead. And it's interesting, David had called for that ark. And they went to get it. They put it on the new cart. Uzzah reaches out. He, should have, he knew better. And he went ahead and he, see, he, he mishandled the presence of God knowing better. And he touched it. He dropped dead. But it's interesting if you look at it. David and his group, after Uzzah had fallen dead, if you read the story, all of a sudden now, David and his group got real serious. Got to read it sometime. They got real serious. In fact, they backed off it for a while. I think there was about three months that it went, I think it went to the house of Obed-Edom. And David just backed off. He was, we're not going to fool with that. And then they studied up on how to handle it, which they should have known. So I guess we could say it this way. They got their Bibles out, so to speak, dusted them off and started reading up on how that ark is supposed to be handled. And then they handled it properly. And it was a great blessing. Could you see why people might have second thoughts about going up around that ark after Uzzah just fell dead? Can you see why people might have second thoughts about hooking up with this early church? Hmm? Hmm? The rest, I like the way the King James says, verse 13, as, I, as, I, as I've already stated, the rest durst not join them, but they esteemed them highly. They dared not join them. There was a reverential fear. We'll see as we study here, coming to church is a, when that, when that door out there is approached, you're approaching a holy place. The church is not a place to come and have fantasy football going on. I've already seen people, they won't come to a certain church because their favorite fantasy football buddies aren't there. How many of you know church ought to be more than fantasy football? I've already heard of people, they won't go to a certain church because they don't serve their favorite brand of latte. My God, help us. You shouldn't choose a church based on latte. There is a social aspect to the church. Don't misunderstand me. But latte and donuts 
should not be why you come to church. That's not popular anymore in this hour because a lot of churches have the coffee shops set up in the foyer. And I'm not against coffee. I'm not against donuts. I'm not against that stuff. But that's not why you ought to be coming to church. Did you hear me? And when you walk in uh, the door of, uh, of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, you should not wonder, well, did I walk into a church or did I walk into Walmart? How many of you know that there ought to be a difference between walking in the church and walking into Walmart? Come on now, is that right? Church ought to be handled with respect and reverence. Now, I'm not Catholic. But one thing I've noticed in the Catholics, when they, when they pass in front of the, of the, of the altar, do you ever notice what they do? They, they, they show reverence. Is that right? We've lost that in the, in the, in the Protestant churches. Did you hear me? Church is a holy place. At least the first church was. You alright? Say, Pastor, you seem kind of blunt here today. Well, you know what? If you want the Holy Ghost moving, you're going to have to create an atmosphere for Him to move. I wonder if somebody had a meeting with the President of the United States this Wednesday morning. I wonder what they would do Wednesday morning when they got up, if they were going to have a a meeting with him in in the Oval Office at 10 o'clock. I wonder how somebody would approach that. You know, there's a lot of people can't drag themselves out of bed to get to the house of God, to the very place that'll help them. Did you hear me? I said, did you hear me? And those people never will amount to anything for God. I think if I was meeting with the president, I'd be on time. Would you? And I guarantee you one thing, if you weren't on time, you probably wouldn't get in to see him because they'd just X you off the schedule and move to the next event. Is that right? Now, is that right? How many of you know anybody's going to be late once in a while? Right? But, you know, you shouldn't drag into church late continuously, should you? It shows a total disrespect for the things of God. You think it's hot now. 
I'm just getting, I hadn't got warm, I hadn't got to my first opening yet. You still love me? It's going to get pretty hot and heavy over the next couple of weeks. You all right? We're going to do some Holy Ghost preaching. Knock some of the junk off of all of us. We're going to make the latte Christians nervous. We're going to make the fantasy football Christians nervous. I'm not against the fantasy football. I'm just, that's just wrong when that's the atmosphere of the church prior to a service and more people are excited about that than they are the Lord. Come on. I stopped putting signs up out there. You know the sign out there in the front? I used to put the signs up. I used to make the signs, the sayings, the things that put, were put up out there. <clears throat> and I just got to the point where I quit doing it. But uh, we'd get people call in and complain about the sign. They didn't like what was up there. But the only sign that got vandalized was the one where I put up. And I, and I, I did it at the direction of the Holy Spirit. We serve Jesus, not donuts. Now you think about that. It's the only sign that got vandalized, by the way. Think about that. We serve who? Jesus, not... Now, do we have donuts here? Sure. Am I against donuts? No. But we serve who? Not... You know, a lot of churches serve donuts. In more ways than one. Hmm? We serve Jesus, not donuts. I see some rip-snorting preaching coming here in the next. I hadn't done any rip-snorting in a while. You know, I ain't got nothing to lose. I've been doing this 20 years. All the bills are paid. All the needs are met. Church, personal. I think I need to just start flowing with the Holy Ghost. Do some rip snort and preaching once in a while. Maybe start kicking some things over like I used to. Climbing over the chairs. Spitting on people when I preach. I might as well just tell you the truth. I mean... You know, I, I've i tried to calm things down a little bit over the last several years. and But I just need to just get back in and do a little rip-snorting, spitting, devil-stomping. Huh? Kick the devil in the teeth kind of preaching. I got nothing to lose. Speak in tongues right in the middle of my message and interpret like I used to. I hadn't done that in so long. Times the Holy Ghost come on me, I'm, and you just, you just, you don't, you don't ever have to yield to the Holy Ghost. 
that I might upset somebody, make somebody nervous. Well, you know what? I just let's just let's just get back to it. What do you say? And if that makes you nervous, I'm just very sorry. But, you know, well, there he he needs he needs he and you need it. You know, I mean, this church this church wasn't called to be a coffee house. It's a Holy Ghost center, a church. You get away from that, you start losing it. You get back to it, things will go better. Did you hear me? I mean, I used to say some things under the anointing here that make the hair stand up on the back of your neck. I think that's what, you know what, that's what really serious Christians are looking for. Folks that are too lazy to crawl out of bed to get to church, they're not looking for this kind of stuff. You know, people are looking for donuts. How many of you know there's a Krispy Kreme right up the road? You can go there if you want donuts. You can't go there. And, and not only that, but, but, you know, the church shouldn't be a social club. There's, if you want that, there's a Lions Club. Is that right? You know, I've had, I've had everybody and their brother walk out on me over the years. Got to the point there for a while, people started walking out before I ever got up to preach. I blamed it on Diane. You know, they walked out on Jesus, didn't they? First time he got up preaching in his hometown, they got a group together, took him out to the brow of the hill to throw him over to kill him. That's Jesus. I don't think you've really flowed with the Holy Ghost until the crowd wants to beat you up, you know. Are you okay? Are you alright for where we're headed? You better get some seat belts because this next week or next month and a half is going to be, it's going to be like it used to be. You all right? Okay. Are you sure? Are you sure that's what you want? Right after we moved into building, you'd have had the time of your life. There was every kind of thing going on. Donna getting stuck to the floor. Pat Nut, Pat Nut, Pat Nut getting stuck to. I didn't mean that ugly. Pat Nut got stuck to. You're not a nut, are you? No, Pat, your husband is. But no. <laughs> Remember when you got stuck to the floor? All kinds of stuff going on. You will see here when we get to it here in a few in a few minutes, um, where Peter had to explain what was going on to the crowd. You know, you hadn't had a Holy Ghost service until the preacher had to explain what's going on. You know, to the visitors, yeah, to the visitors. Are you sure you want this? All right. I was going to put a sign out there back years ago when we first moved into building, not responsible for things said while under the anointing. You can get pretty tough. The Holy Ghost, see, see, we're all going to face the fire of the judgment seat of Christ if we're a believer. And the Spirit of God got this through to me years ago. He said that a preacher ought to be a flame of fire. 
And one of the reasons is, is that you need to let the fire from this pulpit burn the junk off of you down here. Because it's a whole lot easier and a better deal to let it burn the junk off you down here than when you have to be judged by the fires of Christ in heaven. Because then you can lose eternal reward. But if you have the, the junk burn off you down here, then you can have time to repent and get it straight. And then it won't cost you eternal reward. You know, most people don't want their preacher to be a flame of fire. I've already met people over the years that they've wanted to control the pastor and control the pulpit and have the pastor be nothing more than a puppet on a string. And you don't like that. Well, I guess you guys have come to the right spot. So you got your seat belts? All right, it's going to be get, get pretty bizarre over this next couple of months. And, uh, but it'll be good. Can you say amen? Because you know what? I don't got what? Nothing to lose. Uh, nothing to lose. Just something to gain. Now, look right here. Yet none of the rest dared join them. That word in verse 13, join, it's interesting. I looked that word up. It means to stick like glue. It means to cement. It means to cleave as to one's spouse. You see... To become a member of the early church, you, it wasn't a matter of signing a membership card. It wasn't a matter of, of, of that sort of thing. When you became a member of that church, what you were really doing is you were becoming a member of the body of Christ. And when you become a member of the body of Christ, you're going to stick to Jesus like glue. You're going to cleave as to one spouse. Actually, becoming a member of that early church was taken as seriously as actually getting married to somebody. I wonder how many people take church membership that serious in this hour. To become a part of that early church, it was on the same level of seriousness as getting married. Did you, did you get that? How many got that? Becoming a, you know, I've told people for years, I said, don't you choose your church. Let the Holy Ghost choose your church for you. You know, a lot of people go to church because, well, I go there because my friends go there. Well, you know what? Don't go to a place just because your friends go there. Find out where God wants you and then go there. And, and hook to it, stay hooked to it like glue. Stay cemented to it. That's what they did in the early church. We're going to see that the early church was awesome in holiness. Did you know holiness is not a dirty word? They were awesome in reverence for the Lord. They were awesome in unity. They were awesome in fellowship. There was fellowship. But a lot of their fellowship didn't have to do with eating donuts. Their fellowship had to do time together in prayer. Now I'm telling you, the kind of preaching I'm going to do over the next month or so, if you're not saved, you're, not going to, you're either going to want to get saved or you're going to want to get out. Did you hear what I just said? 
people that aren't saved, when they come to this church, and particularly like we were when we first moved into the building and for so many years, people that weren't saved when they'd come here, there's one of two things that they wanted. They either wanted all in, get saved, or they didn't want to come back here anymore. And the reason they didn't want to come back here anymore, it wasn't because we were acting crazy. It was because the presence of God and the preaching convicted them of their sin. Did you get what I just said? When you flow with the Holy Ghost, you don't have to act crazy. But people that came, I tell you what, people that, and that's, that goes back to that first, verse 13, durst, none of the rest durst or dared join them. You see, when you come to a Holy Ghost church where the Holy Ghost is running things, if, if you are not saved, you're going to want to get saved or you're going to want to get out because you're going to be un- you're uncomfortable. I've said this for years and I stand by it, that when visitors come here, people that are unsaved come here or whatnot, I want everybody to be welcome. Say amen. But I don't want anybody comfortable, including Christians, if there's something in your life that should not ought to be there. Did you get what I just said? Did you get that? So, so this atmosphere for, for a good while here is not going to... And I just, we just run it this way till Jesus comes back. Because I don't have nothing to lose. It's not going to be an atmosphere that's going to make mamby-pamby Christians comfortable. Did you, get, did you get what I just said? I don't know, maybe next week I'll just have you to preach to, that, but I'll preach to you. If nobody else shows up, then bless God, we'll just go have an ice cream cone or a, or a, or a, a carrot stick. Yeah, we, you'll be here. Thank God. We used to go get snow cones. Now it'll be a carrot stick because I can't eat snow cones. <laughs> but that early church was awesome in holiness and reverence and unity and fellowship. And how many of you hungry for the Holy Ghost? Hungry for awesome and holiness and reverence and unity and fellowship and power. And you get that. You got signs, wonders, miracles. And you'll have persecution. That's another reason that people thought twice about becoming a member of the early church. Because they were marked then for persecution. Let's go to Acts, the first chapter. Let's talk here a little bit about this, and then we'll pick up next week. You know, when you go to church, and you drive into church, I've had people tell me over the years, particularly years ago, they'd come up and they'd say, you know, Pastor, I never knew what I was going to get when I got there. They were excited to come. How many of you like going somewhere where you just never know what's going to happen? The pastor might teach, he might preach, he might have a healing line, he might, you know, who knows? How many likes driving to a funeral? Driving to church should not be like driving to a funeral. Is that right? Driving to church, you ought to be, I don't know what's going to happen today. Pastor might spit on somebody, they get healed. That happened actually. I didn't spit on anybody, but I went over and slapped a guy upside the head one time, and he was instantly healed of fibromyalgia. Isn't that wonderful? I said, Isn't that wonderful? I said, Isn't that wonderful? I just walked over to him at the direction of the Holy Ghost, slapped him upside the head, said, Be healed in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
And he was instantly healed of fibromyalgia. Instantly. Is that something? Acts 1 verse 1. The former account I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Theopolis, that was a man, Christian, who Luke, Luke, who was the writer of the book of Acts, dedicated, the human author, you know, he dedicated the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts to this person, or it was written to this person. Little is known about Theopolis, but you know one thing that is known, his name means lover of God. How many lovers of God do I have in here? Well, then the book of Acts is to you and for you if you're a lover of God. Now, if you're not a lover of God, uh, you're not going to enjoy the book of Acts. But if you're a lover of God, you're going to have a good time these next many, many, many weeks. Now, notice verse 2. Until the day in which he was taken up, Jesus was taken up, you know, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. Verse 3. To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering. By many infallible proofs, being seen by them for 40 days, after Jesus was raised from the dead, for 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to, what's that next word? But to wait. You know how many days there's going to have to wait? Does anybody know from this time how many days there's going to have to wait for the Holy Ghost to fall? It already been 40 days since he'd been raised from the dead. They were going to have to stay there in that upper room and wait for 10 days. Real loud say 10 days. You know, most Christians I've met have problems waiting for 10 minutes. Well, let's wait on the Lord. Well, I've got 10 minutes to wait on him. You're not going to ever get anything from God like that. Did you hear me? You've got to be able to wait. And you've got to, be, you've got to set your schedule up around God's. You know how many people want God to set their schedule up around Him? You set your schedule up around God's. You want God to make you rich? Set your schedule up around Him. That's what happened to me and Diane. We set our schedule up around God. We've been doing this now. How long have we been married? 27 years. We set our schedule up around God. And He's made us rich. Personally and the ministry, the church. Did you hear me? Now, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not boasting. I'm just telling you this works. Would you rather have me standing up here with all my needs met, or would you rather have me standing up here saying I've done this for 20 years and I'm still broke, busted, and disgusted? Would, who would you rather follow, the broke, busted, and disgusted, or somebody that's done this for 27 years and it's made it work? Who do you want, huh? I don't want somebody that's done this for 27 years and they're still broke, busted, and disgusted. Exactly. People that have served God for years and years and still broke, busted, and disgusted. There's something wrong somewhere. You need to kind of preach and I'm going to be doing. 
Did you hear me? I said, did you hear me? Why is that? Because we set our schedule up around God. My wife and I, we went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. We served in the church, bless God. We never got paid one dime for anything we did. The pastor did one time give me $100 for probably about $100,000 worth of work. We did things for years for free. Is that right? We were on time, ready to go. We did what was expected of us. And we did it as unto the Lord. And that's why we... Amen. Are you having fun today? We were willing to wait on the Lord. I'm not bragging on myself. I'm just telling you this works. Wait, 10 days. Now, Jesus didn't say 10 days, but we knew it would be 10 days after the fact. For the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then, of course, Jesus lets them know that he's not going to set up his earthly kingdom at that time. Now, verse 9. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. How many think that would have been awesome to watch? Jesus going up to be seated at the right hand of God. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by him in white apparel. These angels, you know, and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Verse 20. How many of you know he's coming back? He's coming back. Is that right? Then they returned, verse 12, to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. Wow. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, Judas, the son of James. All these continued. They continued. Realize they continued. They continued with what? One accord in what? Prayer and supplication. Think about that. A prayer meeting now for ten days. With the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, she's there. And with his brothers, ten days they're going to wait. They chose Matthias to replace Judas. We won't go through all of that. Now look at Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. They're all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. See, that's how the Holy Ghost does things suddenly. Suddenly, it looks like he's never going to move, 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 never going to move. And then just suddenly, boom, he starts moving. I know in my life there's been times I've had questions for the Lord, questions for him, you know, questions. And years will come and years will go, years will come, years will go, nothing, 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 nothing. And then just right in the middle when I'm minding my own business, doing something else, he'll, he'll, he'll answer that question. Just speak it to me right on the inside or answer it somehow or another. Real loud, say suddenly. Suddenly. That's how the Holy Ghost does things, suddenly. But see, your job is to stay in a position for him to do the suddenly. Most Christians don't do that. They wait ten minutes, he hasn't moved, so we're going to go on and do something else. No, you stay there until the Holy Ghost moves, you see. 
There came a sound from heaven suddenly as a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them divided tongues as a fire and one sat on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now see, these people here had already been born again. They had already been born of the Spirit. There's a verse in John where Jesus, when he appeared to them, them, he said, uh, receive the Holy Ghost. And he breathed on them and they were born of the Spirit. They were born again. But there is an experience subsequent to salvation whereby you are baptized or can be baptized with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. Now, that hasn't passed away. It's still for today. And... uh, and, and, and the book of Acts and the whole Bible, the New Testament, is written with the assumption that Christians are not only born again, that's why they're a Christian, but they're also baptized with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues. Did you hear what it just said? I'm not ashamed of the Holy Ghost and I'm not ashamed of the other tongues, are you? We'll say more about that as we go. Verse 5, And there were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men, from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitudes came together and were confused. Actually, a better word is perplexed. They were stirred up. They were aroused. This got their attention. I tell you, the Holy Ghost starts moving. It'll get your attention. Because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Interesting. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? And then they list the different ones that were there, you know. And uh, then go to verse 11, the last part of verse 11. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Now, you know, if you study anything about tongues at all, you know when there's tongues, there needs to be interpretation, except when tongues are being used as a sign. And how many of you know that tongues were being used as a sign here, and there need be no interpretation? Why? Because the hearers understood what was being said. Is that right? Uh, Makes me think of this story. I've told it before, but I'll tell it again. The pastor, he had a church there, you know, much like this one in this certain town. It's a true story. And there was a ruffian in the town. A ruffian. You know what I mean by a ruffian? Drunk, that kind of a guy. You know, gambler, that kind of a fella. And he finally attended this church service. He came into the church service. And uh, they had their worship. The pastor preached, you know. And then right at the end, this 12-year-old girl gives out a message in tongues. No more than she gets done. I mean, she just finishes giving the message in tongues. The pastor makes the altar call and this ruffian runs. He didn't walk. He ran down to the front and just about slid into the altar and got saved. After the service, the pastor got with him privately and said, what was it that caused you to come so quickly to get saved? Was it the worship? No. Was it my preaching? No. Was it my altar call? No. And the man said, 
I was raised on a Choctaw reservation. I speak perfect Choctaw. I know that little girl out there. I know who she is. She doesn't know Choctaw. I know she doesn't know Choctaw. She gave a message in perfect Choctaw. That's Indian dialect. Called my name. Told me what my sins were. Told me that this was the last time God was going to deal with me. And that if I didn't get saved at this service, that I was destined for a devil's hell. Now that'll get your attention. If that doesn't make the hair stand up on the back of your neck, you need to check out and see if you're saved. Think about that. And the man got saved. See, if the Holy Ghost goes, you go to yielding to the Holy Ghost, so you do it right in line with what he wants done. People won't leave here thinking we're crazy. People will leave here saying, truly, God is among them. They heard them speaking the wonderful works of God. They were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what could this mean? Others mocking said they're full of new wine. And then in verse C, the mockers thought, now you need to understand this. See, one of the reasons that pastors don't want to flow with the Holy Ghost is because a lot of times, you know, people get over in the flesh and, and people do start acting crazy. We don't want that. Say amen. We want Truly what the Holy Ghost is doing. And when you move in line with the Holy Ghost, people aren't going to think that you're crazy. They're going to think that God is truly among you. And they're going to wonder, do I want to join up with all that power or not? I mean, you know, you understand what I'm saying? Did you get that or not? The mockers thought they were drunk and said they're drunk. But the whole crowd didn't think they were drunk, just the mockers. You know, a whole lot gets laid off on the Holy Ghost that he's not responsible for. He's not responsible for people acting weird. Did you hear me? But I tell you what, the Holy Ghost starts moving. People start getting healed of stuff. Marriages that, that, that look like they were headed for the rocks will start getting healed and fixed. You'll, you'll notice things in your body that weren't working right will start working right just by being around this atmosphere. Did you hear me? Are you out there or not? But Peter standing up in verse 14 with the eleven raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as ye suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day or nine o'clock in the morning. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. It'll come to pass in the last days, says God, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Folks, this stuff ought to be going on in our lives right now. I said this stuff ought to be going on in our lives right now. And if this stuff isn't going on in our lives, we need to check up and see why. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. On my men servants and maid servants, I'll pour out of my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy and I'll show wonders in heaven above. Signs and earth beneath. Blood, fire, vapor, smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness. The moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it will come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Can you say amen? It says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst. 
As you yourselves also know him being delivered by the determined purpose for knowledge of God, you've taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, uh, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Can you say amen? Now, I feel like like what I, I feel like what we need to do right here, because I, I sense the Holy Spirit's unhooking now. We've gone as far as we need to go here today where I need to pick up next week is is I'm going to do a brief review of what we just very brief of what we said today. And then we're going to look at the first sermon that was preached in the first church. And we need to have those kinds of sermons in our churches today. Did you hear what I just said? So I want you to read through the rest of chapter two. And you can go on into chapter 3 and read it. So your assignment is to read chapters 1, 2, and 3 for next week. But I want to go in next week and look at the first sermon that was preached by a Holy Ghost filled preacher, Peter. And I want to kind of, kind of look at it and dissect some of it. And we're going to see that a great revival broke out 